Hi there. Welcome to Career Girls, a podcast by Ace and Tate, for women who know that professional success is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm your host, Sing Sing, and I'm an author and journalist. If you work in journalism, you will hear this all the time. Print is dying. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. In the UK, the number of magazines has tripled in the last five years. But that doesn't mean it's easy to launch a successful publication. If you want to keep readers flipping through the pages, let alone convincing them to buy the next issue, you need something very special. So how do you make a magazine with the magic touch? Hi, I'm Danielle Pender. I'm the founder and editor of Repost magazine and this podcast is how I started it. I still remember encountering my first issue of Repost. The typeface was striking, it was modern, the cover star was the designer Claire Barrow, she was photographed in a white t-shirt. Repost is a women's magazine that doesn't feel the need to scream and shout to announce its presence. And needless to say, it stands out from a crowded newsstand. I think I've always had, <clears throat> like, I've always thought about it as a business because I've always been aware that if you want it to be sustainable, it has to, like, you have to know where the money's coming from, you have to know what you're spending. And so I've always had ambitions of it being more than um, more than a magazine or being successful. But I guess there was there hasn't been, like, this grand plan, this, like, big vision of it being, like, the vogue of the indie publishing, but maybe it's a, it's a good... A good thing to aim for. Um, I think I've always been really interested in magazines from when I was a kid. I used to do like really, I found them actually the other day when I went home. Um, these like really terrible like mock-ups of magazine covers and <clears throat> always bought magazines and just felt like at the time there was very little to read that was aimed that was sort of interesting and that was aimed at women obviously things have changed quite a lot now this was in like 2012 um gentlewoman was around but that felt like I love it but I kind of felt like quite aspirational and very fashion orientated um so yeah I just wanted to and I think at that time there was like there was a few indie magazines and it just seemed a bit easier than it ever had um so I met Shaz who I work with on Repost and we I had this really lame like word document and we chatted about what Repost would be for ages for much longer than probably was needed and then set to sort of designing and putting all the content together. When it came to launching Repost, Danielle was working at KK Outlet, a gallery, bookshop and agency all rolled into one. So she had a lot of contacts. But most importantly of all, she had a very strong idea of who the riposte reader was. I think just the women that I knew or that like I saw around and, you know, like interested in loads of different things, wasn't just interested in fashion and beauty. The girl who sort of like read loads of different things, different magazines, um, but that couldn't find something that was aimed at women or that I think... The thing that really bothered us was that the women that I found interesting, you just never read about them. Um, and it was always just the same sort of interviews with the same sort of women, which is fine, but there was no like um, alternative or very little. 
I don't really want to overstate this, but back in 2012, when Riposte was launched, magazines weren't woke. You weren't likely to see an older woman or a non-celebrity on the cover of one, which was why Riposte stood out. Older women was a definite, so older, really fascinating women who'd lived amazing lives. So in the first issue, we featured Francoise Mouly, who's the, um, she, I don't know what her proper title is, but she's like the art editor at the New Yorker and she decides on all the covers. Um, and in a women's magazine, I hadn't sort of seen anyone like her. And then in the second issue, we interviewed Deborah Sussman, who was a really iconic graphic designer who'd done like the LA Olympics in the 70s um, and was an intern for Ray and Charles Eames and just loads of... And then in in the other sections of the magazines, we featured like Sister Carita Kent, who was the screen printer nun, who there was an exhibition of hers recently. But I think that kind of woman and then just people who weren't, you know, like they're not in films or they're not, musicians but they're still doing really fascinating things and like I think the women that really interest me are women like um like Melina Matsukas who is the director and she worked with Beyonce on Lemonade and I think like women Beyonce is obviously amazing but what makes Beyonce amazing is a lot of her visual output so who are the people I kind of want to know who that woman is that's making those videos for her and interview her about her life and her sort of visual references so it was it was trying to create a platform that could have those conversations. At the time, we didn't have any money and I was working full-time and Shaz uh, still does have her own design practice. And I think it was just like pure naivety, like we made it and we pulled in loads of favours. And I think it was like a month before we were supposed to go to print, we still didn't have any money. Um, And I asked my boss at KK at the time for a loan. So he gave us, I think it was like two grand... Um, and he paid for the print up front and then with um, like pre-orders and then with eventually sales we paid him back and then sort of built it up from that um, from the little bit of money that we had from issue one we put into issue two and then we started working with brands like Nike on issue three so it was just very like minimal start of costs but Danielle took her time about it As you'll hear later on in the podcast, she is a big fan of taking things slowly, but with absolute surety. Yeah, I think we started chatting about it in 2012. um, And then it had just sort of like, it was just there and I was working full time and I didn't really know what I was doing. But I knew like we had the, the format of like, I think at the time it was five ideas, four interviews, three features, two essays, one icon, which is kind of still the the bare bones of it, but we've switched it around a little bit. And because working at KK, I knew quite a few photographers and illustrators and then writers at like It's Nice That and different places. Um, so we got a few people involved and it was just a really slow process of like thinking, right, what do we want? to have in it and then sort of putting it together and working really slowly to to bring it all together. I felt um, really weirdly, I remember I, I was in the gallery at KK and the first box came back and I saw it and I think, I don't know what I was expecting but I was really like, I got kind of, I was really devastated when I saw it because I'd seen it on screen and like the, the proofs are like these big, you know, these big sheets and then it was like this magazine and it felt like I'd 
spent ages and worked really hard, like you say before, like weekends and evenings. And then and then it came back and it was like this just like I don't know, I just kind of felt a little bit underwhelmed. But then then I got really excited and then you start seeing it in places and then yeah, and then that's the sort of slightly addictive side of it because it is it is exciting making a magazine and seeing it, people reading it and sort of seeing um, and meeting people who enjoy it and that kind of thing. But first, she had to get the magazine out to newsstands. I think because I'd run the shop at KK, I knew that antenna existed. So they, they just, we still work with them on the distribution. So they get, um, we keep a small amount and then ship it directly for any online sales through this company called Newsstand and then Antenna are our distributed to stores so they got the bulk of the order the bulk of the print run and then um, they give it to shops but I think a lot of people when they first start out do that themselves like I know Lydia and Lucy who do Accent Magazine they did that themselves for the first few issues because sometimes it's nice to sort of build up relationships with stores or Sometimes, well, you get all of the money for a start because the distribution company, they take a big cut of the money. So there's that as well. Obviously, with any new project, there are first-time nerves. But Danielle was worried for another reason. She and her art director, Shaz, had gone with a totally counterintuitive cover to your regular women's magazine. So we'd spent ages on the cover and um, Shaz had done like all these different layouts and we'd sort of thought about like one image or like multi-image covers and then when she laid it out um all the different options out with different magazines it kind of looked very similar and then she saw this old issue of National Geographic from like the 30s and that was just text cover and it was um I think it was like a manifesto and then it had like the contents that was in the magazine but it just looked really beautiful and I think the, so she mocked up this text cover and it was just the women's names with the riposte headline, um, masthead. And it just felt like it represented what the magazine was supposed to be about. You know, like it's about these interesting women and what they have to say and who they are rather about, rather than what they look like. And it actually, that made us really nervous, that cover, because we was like, it wasn't that... Um, yeah, we, you know, it's not that regular. You don't see it that often. And um, and then I showed it to Alex and Willa, it's nice that, and they were like, no, you should go with that one. And then so when we put it out, that was the thing that sort of got quite a lot of press and got it noticed rather than it just being another image cover. We'd spent ages making this thing and then it was like, oh, shit, what if no one picks it up or what if no one knows what it is? Or, you know, it's like... But I think, yeah, a thousand copies is not... In the grand scheme of things, there's not that many issues and we just wanted to get it out. And I'm I'm really glad that we went with that text cover for, to, yeah, at the start. Now Repost has grown beyond its initial print run of a thousand issues and they still do that text cover, but they also do it now with images. We want to broaden out the readership and although the text cover, um, it definitely like reflect what the magazine's about we were kind of worried thinking what if that's not appealing to a bigger big enough audience and and actually what can we do with an image cover so we've tried to push that every time with every issue and so that we can sort of attract people who are maybe put off by a text cover but also offer that for like the the people who are interested in that text cover Part of the reason the magazine works so well is down to its art director, Shaz. 
And part of the reason Danielle works so well with her probably has something to do with the fact they are polar opposites. I'm a bit messier and a bit more like... um a bit all over the place and interested in loads of different things and a bit messy and she's not and that sort of pairing of the two personalities it it sort of lends itself really well to the partnership we're just very different characters and very different in our approach but I think that's it's been such a blessing because we work really well together and I really respect her decisions and if I don't agree with her I kind of we can have a conversation which is like well, I don't agree with you, but I respect what you're about, so let's talk about it, because there's obviously something in there that means something. You might expect that they go way back. But in fact, they only met when Danielle's previous art director dropped out of the project. No, we didn't know each other at all, so that's been really nice as well, because now I would say we're friends <laughs> after, like, 11 issues. But, um, but yeah, that's interesting as well, like, working with someone that you've never met before and building up a business, basically, with... It, it could have gone horribly wrong, but luckily it's gone really, it's been really amazing. After the first issue was a success, Danielle got to work on the second one. I think it was pretty much straight away. But then again, like I was working full time and it's quite a long, with very little money, like you sort of, you have to respect what what contributors can do in time. And if, if it's that um, triangle, isn't it? It's like there's time, money. And if it's really creative, then people are up for it if it's two of those things. So there was like the time and the creative, but there wasn't the money. So it just took quite a long time. And then I think it came out in June, uh, the next one. But we didn't have any backing. So that was all like our own money and money from issue one and then sort of pre-sales. And then issue three, we did a brand partnership with Nike and that sort of paid for a lot more things and it just gave us a bit more freedom and from issue three we've like been lucky and and again that going back to that sort of seeing it as a business like I've tried to be a bit more savvy with all of the the funding and sort of and work really closely with brands and we don't have a lot of advertising but we always have like one main brand sponsor per issue. Daniel has always had a clear idea of how to make repost sustainable and that means working with brands that get the magazine. It's telling like the brand story to our readers, but in an interesting way. So it's not selling them stuff. It's just sort of telling them interesting things and how the brand is linked to our community or the interesting things that are going on within that brand and making it relevant and in a way that sort of feels natural without it being like, buy these glasses or buy the sportswear. And I think like people sometimes are a bit sniffy, but I like if it wasn't for the brands, like there would be no magazine or it would have it would cost an absolute fortune. And we don't have loads of pages of adverts, but we do, I do really love and respect like working with decent brands because they enable us to do what we do. So I think it's really important. As Danielle hit her stride and began putting out the magazine twice a year, she didn't want to take it easy. With issue eight, she went hard. It sounds really basic, but like the Sunday supplements, like the the magazines, you never know. There's always like a random mix of articles and features and interviews. And I really like that. So with eight, we had stuff on, there was stuff on Islam and feminism, stuff on women and porn. There was stuff on men and masculinity. There was stuff on um, women who run nightclubs and um, special club nights. There was stuff on breast cancer, just like a whole big like melting pot of 
things and I think that's what's exciting about making a magazine you can do what you want and if you're doing an indie magazine you can do even more you have even more freedom you don't have to as long as it's interesting to you and interesting to your readers then you don't have to like you know you don't have any like old men and a board telling you what you can and can't put in your magazine so why not go for it if you put out a magazine and Daniel talks about this later on you don't really get live feedback unlike on publications that live on the internet first so that means she puts in extra effort into meeting readers in real life and she loves finding out what they think. So we have um, regular uh, events because it's twice a year, the magazine's twice a year, so we try and meet um, up with readers or try and have like sort of um, live events. And it's always really nice meeting them because I think you get an idea of like what they're interested in, what they think about the magazine. It's good to get good and ba- bad feedback. I think there's like... I really don't like that sort of, what's it, performative positivity when everyone is like, oh my God, it's amazing. And, every, you know, like on Twitter or Instagram and and you're seen as unsisterly if you sort of criticise. But I think that's that's the only way that things change and grow. And I think it's it's good to get, you know, constructive criticism is always welcome, not like super negative just for the sake of it the best piece of constructive criticism was about the I think it was we've had quite a few bits but the best bit was about um like the structure of our features and the writing and it just wasn't sort of sharp enough and tight enough which I agree it it hadn't been in the past so we've really worked on that and tried to work with um writers who we feel like understand repast and we've the the editorial process is a lot more robust and we kind of go back and forth a lot more whereas before it was like oh yes we've got a piece of content like let's put it in and now it's kind of like is this doing what it's supposed to is it interesting is there a better way that we could like structure it all um so that was really helpful if you're an editor part of your job is finding new talent to write and photograph for your magazine so how does Danielle do it? It's a bit of both sometimes. Um, yeah, we work with people who speculatively email. That's always really nice because it's people that I wouldn't necessarily know. But I have like, and I, I think it's quite a regular thing for curators or editors to just, and for everyone, I guess. I have like a, I'm always on the lookout on social media, buying magazines, looking online and sort of make notes of interesting people or uh, interested photographers, interested writers. We've just done a thing in the next issue with um, Amanda Williams, who goes by the name of Ideal Black Female. She's done a really nice thing on um, like social media and how you know we've collectively come to the agreement that it's pretty lame. So how can we use social media better? And what is what does that look like? And she, I came across her online. Um, so yeah, I'm always on the lookout for for different people. It's impossible to ignore the commercial women's magazine landscape has kind of changed since Riposte launched, probably partly in response to magazines like Riposte. I mean, Teen Vogue does a column on socialism now. As women become more political and more engaged, how has Riposte the magazine changed? My own feminism has changed from when I was younger to what it is now. And I think the content reflects that. So it's a lo- we have... 
we cover a lot more bigger issues, which I think we didn't shy away from, but just weren't maybe as confident handling. Um, and now, yeah, I think if you have a readership or a platform and then you you have a bit of a responsibility to talk about different issues that are important for your community. So how does Danielle feel about competition? In a word, she's not worried. She knows exactly what repost is and what it shouldn't be. It's interesting because I think there's been like a massive growth in indie magazines and online content. But I think I'm not, I don't know, I just think it's good. I just think it's good to have competition. I think it keeps you on your toes. It's good to have other things to read. We only come out twice a year. And I think that it just makes us want to be better and like push ourselves um, and yeah just and I think it's interesting with like everything that's been going on in digital news recently like with the pool closing the debrief folded um huff post buzzfeed it's all like I think that you need to like sort of sort of set your stall out and do what you do really well and not be distracted by what other people are doing because that's their um that's their sort of route and I think with as there was like such a um a race to go online then that business model hasn't been fully fleshed out and and it's it's obviously working for some people but it's not working for everyone so I don't feel the sort of need to like push out loads of content online I think just doing a really good strong magazine that you're proud of twice a year is is good enough. Now Repost is her full-time job and it's become more than a magazine it's a real-life brand she has a studio she does brand projects she does live events. We have a studio as well so we last year we did an exhibition with the People's History Museum um, we've worked with Adidas and a few other projects outside of the magazine and then we do um, events, monthly events um, and then obviously the magazine twice a year. I think that's really exciting because then that frees you up to do lots of interesting things. Like I always, I really respect Alex and Willa. It's nice that I think what they've built up is really interesting and they haven't taken investment and they've done it like organically Um and it's all, you know, through a sustainable model of them, there being a need for it, they're making money with partner brand partners and then doing lots of different things like events, products. They've got, obviously got the online platform, they've got um, the magazine. And I think that's really exciting for the future to think like what Repost can be, like what what it can, it can sort of circulate around the magazine and around the original ethos and then it can live uh, in various different things. Don't get her wrong. Danielle has big plans for Repost. But in a world of instant gratification, she wants to take things slow. I think, like, I've been thinking a lot about growth recently. And I think that there's a lot to be said for just going back to Alex and Will for, like, slow growth. I think you read loads about, like, these meteor meteoric um, rises and investments and people, like, I don't know, like, Sophia Amoruso getting lots of investment but I'm like I don't know it just feels a little bit unsustainable and it feels like what are you having to do to hit your margins to get those investors their money back what content are you having to push out to you know get the the numbers up and I just I'm kind of just really happy to do what we're proud of do it really well and take it a bit slower 
I think it's having respect for your reader as well. You know, I want them to look forward to repost coming out. I want them to look forward to when we do an event that it feels special, that they don't feel like they're having the piss taken out of them, that it's that it's for them and we've thought about what they're into. So that is that all goes into sort of thinking about growth. Looking back on seven years of repost, Danielle has plenty of thoughts about her journey. What does she wish she'd known before? I think that it's really important to not get, to be a little bit zen about stuff, like to not get super excited and to not get bombed out and just to think like, it doesn't fucking matter really. And like that things are going to be really exciting in whatever career and things aren't going to go well and that it's but in the end, it's going to be fine and that you just have to sort of get, look at what's that saying about the mountain? Like if there's a, there's like a massive mountain and you feel like, oh, you've got to climb it. But sometimes you just need to change your perspective and think like put one foot in front of the other. And that's just the way that you handle things, you know, like just do your accounts that day or whatever. And then it'll be fine. And also get a bookkeeper, get your, get your finances in order, sort your VAT out if you're making over 85 grand, you know, like loads of business, get good business advice. I think like surround yourself or just find people who you respect, who you can um, ask advice and like get a decent accountant. I asked a mate and now I've got a decent accountant and a bookkeeper and... But it's just all of this stuff like you don't and I think like you shouldn't be embarrassed about not knowing this stuff like nobody knows anything and you learn it as you go and that's fine and like if you make a mistake like I've made so many mistakes like costly mistakes as well but <clears throat> but it's yeah it's all fine in the end and you know yeah even if things go terribly wrong it can start again. And as for the biggest challenge of running a successful magazine brand, you might think having a kid in the middle of it might be one, but it turns out actually motherhood has a very clarifying effect on your work ethic. To be honest, having a kid and running a business is like that balance has been really good because I feel more, um, more, uh, focus when I do work I work really hard and I don't mess around like I used to just spend so much time at work when I work full-time like just messing on and I don't do that anymore but um the the balance of like finding the actual time so like my kid goes to nursery but she's not full-time so I have like these chunks of time where I look after her, which is I love it but there's also you know like loads of work to do so that but that work-life balance I find quite tricky like I don't go out that much and when I do go out I like uh, I pick one thing maybe a week to go to and then and then that's it which I really actually love doing that because then when you when I go out I have a really nice time and I make the effort today I've got a meeting this afternoon and then I've got two hours to work and then I have to pick my daughter up but in those two hours I just make sure that I have a list for today of like maybe two things I do those two things and then that's it and then I work a lot in the evening to be honest as well which isn't that fun <laughs> Nine issues on and with the 10th one coming out this summer Danielle has his whole magazine gig sorted so what kind of advice does she have for wannabe magazine founders I think that if you're going to start your own magazine, have a really clear point of view. Like, what are you? What is your? What does your magazine stand for? What are you going to 
talk about and why are you different from anyone else and if you feel like you've got something really burning that you want to talk about that isn't being talked about then great and I think that's the key and then find people to work with because you can't do it all on your own work out where you're going to get the money from if you're going to build up an audience online and then crowdfund the first issue I think that's a really solid option and then you know try and work with commercial partners as you go um but I think yeah I think it's a really exciting time and like Bertie Brand wrote this really good article a while ago about magazines and how they you know you can't track readers and you can't you're not um you're not at the mercy of advertisers and you're not at the mercy of sort of people click like counting your clicks. So ma- magazines feel quite radical at the minute and they can they have the freedom to do and say what they want. So I think the more magazines, the better. Before I let Danielle go, I had to ask, what kind of stuff is she reading or watching? The book I'm reading at the minute is by the woman who wrote Cat Person. She's called Kristen. I can't remember her surname. No, I can't remember her surname, but she wrote Cat Person, which went viral. It was on The New Yorker. It's amazing. It's like a collection of really, really interesting short stories about relationships. Um, I just, I love um, Still Processing podcast. It's the one with Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris from The New York Times. And what have I just watched? I was on a flight and I watched Colette and Crazy Rich Asians and the f- documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which is amazing. They're all great films. I'm Zing Sing, and you've been listening to Career Girls, a podcast from Ace and Tate. Thank you for joining us, and thanks so much to my guest, Danielle. You can find out more about Repost on repostmagazine.com. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please toss us a like and hit subscribe. Tune in next time for more honest and inspiring career journeys.